Welcome to Connected with Emily Obey. I'm your host. This is a podcast dedicated to having conversations that matter to help us feel connected to ourselves, to each other, and to the world we live in. You'll most likely never find me on a volleyball court because I was once kicked out of a grade nine gym class for being so bad at it, the teacher thought I was fully messing with him. You will, however, find me writing books, coaching people on how to have a successful online business through effective content marketing and copywriting, and helping people heal from adversity to live lives that truly feel good and make an impact in our society. Stick around, because I ask the questions we're all wanting to know the answers to. everyone. Welcome to Connected with Emily Obey. Today, I have the sensitive, badass coach, Amber Rochelle, on the podcast. She's going to be tackling the issue slash gift of being sensitive in this world. Amber is actually one of my clients from my Right to Heal program, so I know her pretty well. We had a retreat back in June together in person where we lived together for a couple days, and I fed her. Um, all the foods. So I'm sure that we'll talk about that. Amber, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So tell us a little bit about your work in the world um, before we get into more so of the podcast content. I think it's important that people know what you do with women because it's so valuable and so important. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. So um, I'm an intuitive coach and I work specifically with women that are highly sensitive and or empaths, most likely both. Um, And it's the reason I kind of started focusing and working on with women that are highly sensitive is because I obviously am very sensitive. And I was noticing when I first started coaching that, you know, it was kind of a pattern. I was attracting sensitive women to me and also all of the things that I had really struggled with in my own life sort of fell under that umbrella of, um, you know, having a hard time figuring out how to live as a sensitive woman in this modern world. And so the work that I do now is really helping women that are highly sensitive to understand and respect and honor their unique nature because we're so different from other people and it's really hard um, to kind of fit into this world. A lot of the women I work with feel really misunderstood, feel really overwhelmed, struggle with all of the feelings and just kind of knowing how to navigate with their sort of extrasensory, um, you know, unique trait that they have. And so it's a lot about, you know, learning how not to fight against it, but work with it. And then once you get to that place, once you really kind of understand your nature and can learn to live with it in a way that honors and respects it, that's when the true gifts of being sensitive can really start to shine. And so once we sort of move through getting you to a place of healing your relationship with yourself and your sensitivity, then the next thing is kind of now, how can you use it to make your life and other people's lives better? So it's, it's really, I'm, very passionate about it because I think that sensitive women have so, so, so much to offer this world. It's just that we're often stuck in our own way because we're struggling with the shadow side of being sensitive. Cool. That's beautiful. So I wanted people to know what you did because it's so unique and it's so needed. And just so that they know what the foundation we're working with today is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the name of the podcast is Connected with Emily Obey, and it's about having conversations that matter, that'll help us feel connected to ourselves, to each other, and to the world that we live in. So the first question that I'm asking everybody who's coming on the pod is, 
when is the last time you felt really connected to something or someone or yourself that moved you? Mm, that's so good. Um, oh, I could answer this a lot of different ways. I think um, time was, so, you know, I just got married um, <laughs> and I really felt I'm really big into ritual and community. And so for me, that wedding was really about like bringing together everybody in me and my husband's lives that, you know, had kind of helped make us who we are as individuals and then as a couple. And so when we were standing up there, um, like on the stage, you know, right before the ceremony or right before the ritual started, it was just the most powerful moment because I felt so me and so empowered and so happy and so loved and like surrounded by so much love. And the entire ceremony was such a like manifestation of who we are as a couple. It was a really, really powerful, beautiful moment. And the cool part about it was he didn't really want <laughs> the wedding I and mean, he wanted to get married, but he didn't, he wasn't really into the whole like ceremony aspect. And afterwards, like after it was over, we went downstairs and had a moment, just the two of us. And he said, you know, he was like, I, I was fighting this tooth and nail, but when we were standing up there on that stage, like I got it, I got why you wanted this so bad and why it was so important. And I'm really happy that we did it. And it was just such a cool moment. I feel like mm -hmm. for us. So that union for you symbolizes that connection, like feeling connected in the sense of being a unit is what I hear from that. Yeah. Yeah. But also being able to go into this, like, I mean, we've been together a long time, so we've worked really hard on our relationship, but yeah. in the last 10 years that we've been together, my connection to myself has grown so deeply that I, you know, it, it's not, I'm, I'm not looking for somebody to complete me. It was like, we were standing up there and both of us have been through a lot, a lot of difficult stuff in our lives. And so it was almost kind of like a statement of like, you know, look at how far we've come. And this is, we're two individuals that are whole in and of themselves making this statement together to come together and be partners for life. So that part of it was, was really special. Cool. So like the connection with yourself, being able to truly connect with another person because of that. Mm hmm Exactly. Cool. I love that. Beautiful. So let's get into sensitivity. Um, <laughs> you know that I have something called sensory processing disorder. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something that was misdiagnosed for me for most of my life. I was usually diagnosed with anxiety disorders. But uh, recently in the past couple of years, as I've gone through pharmaceutical withdrawal and have gone through somatic experiencing, uh, trauma resolution therapy, as well as just being partnered with a really great therapist, I have found that I was most likely dis like misdiagnosed for most of my teen years with uh, several different anxiety disorders when I should have been diagnosed with sensory processing disorder because the anxiety was a result of having um, SPD. So with that being said, um, I've always identified as being sensitive, of course, um, but I identified as having anxiety more so than identifying as a sensitive person. And in the past couple of years, I've been able to reflect on all of the times in which I did have really intense anxiety, whether that was manifesting through panic attacks or manifesting through generalized anxiety. Um, I can see that it was always usually a product of having too much input um, in terms of sensory and having a hard time processing 
the world and its demands. So that was like a huge shift for me to realize that, oh, like I must have been misdiagnosed because someone along the way missed that this was a sensory processing disorder um, instead of just a plain anxiety disorder. And of course, those are labels. And I can just say that, you know, I'm just a, a much more sensitive person than most people to the point where I can be diagnosed as one. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like having that label for me really helped me understand that my anxiety was a product of sensory input that I couldn't process in the same way as someone else who didn't have this level of sensitivity did. And from that point, I would love to discuss with you how much of that you think is present in your own life as well. Um, and kind of the tie between anxiety and sensory processing and everything that you think about that. So yeah. give you the talking stick. Yeah, I, I, that's, it's such an important point. And I'm really glad also first that you mentioned like about the, the labels, because I always see like labels, quote unquote, is it's not something to be ashamed of and it doesn't define you. It's just giving you information about yourself. Like they're just, they're just yeah. there to give you information about yourself. And the more information you have about yourself, the more that you have to work with, you know? So um, that's always how I think about the, those labels, but there's a huge link between being sensitive and having anxiety. Almost everybody that's sensitive to varying degrees has struggled with anxiety um, because we do take in more information from the world around us. Like our brains not only take in more, but they process it more deeply and thoroughly. So it's like the double whammy of lots more coming in and then we kind of churn on it a little bit harder, um, so to speak. And so it can be very overwhelming and overwhelm often leads to anxiety. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of ways to learn how to deal with that and, and lessen it and navigate it. Um, because it's kind of something that you just have to accept that like, okay, this is how my brain works. So what can I do with that and about that rather than, you know, a, a lot of people and myself included in the past, I would beat myself up over it. Like, God, why do I get so easily overwhelmed when nobody else does, or, you know, um, feel like there was something wrong with me and, or try and fight against it, which really only makes it way worse, um, when you fight it. So, uh, but it, you know, it, it makes perfect sense that it causes anxiety because it's just like so much going on at once. So of course that's going to make you anxious. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because like for me personally, like depression and anxiety run in my family genetically, regardless of being highly sensitive. So I've got that, but then I've got the highly sensitive part as well. So sometimes I can't really tell the difference between if my anxiety is being caused by my sensitivity or by genetics, but it honestly doesn't really matter to me. It's just, you know, when I find myself getting really anxious, the, the first thing is I have to pay attention because a lot of times with me, um, it will get to like, uh, like a really big point before I even notice I've gotten there. <laughs> so I have to really, really be very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very consistent with my awareness tools to be able to catch it before it gets too out of control. Um, and then, you know, I have a toolbox of things that I can do to help myself through the anxiety. So it's not really that it goes away necessarily, but it's just that like I've learned how to deal with it much better. Um, but it is definitely a part of my life. I would say anxiety for me is, is, much more of a struggle than depression. Like I've had a lot of depression in the past, but 
um, anxiety is the bigger annoyance. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also relate to that as well. Um, and I think honestly, that has to do with you know, being hypersensitive because when you're hypersensitive, you're more awake and you're more attuned to what's actually going on. And oftentimes what's actually going on is pretty anxiety inducing. Exactly. Yes. You know? yes. And then, you know, this is not a clinical term but some t- or a clinical explanation, but sometimes I feel like we need a break out of being so hyper aroused and paying attention that sometimes the shutdown comes after that, right? Like, the depression comes because it's like there's only so much juice that we have in our sympathetic system in, in that part of our nervous system until like we run out and we have to recoup in some way or another. So, you know, having the experience of anxiety and depression to me is a result of being hypersensitive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's funny because, um, it's so true. It's like if you're if you're in the hyper arousal for so long, like there's gonna be like the pendulum's gonna swing the other way, you know. And I see that in my own self a lot, and I'm learning to deal with that better. But also, you know, I always tell my clients like if you think of self care, and when I say self care, like self care can mean so many different things to different people. But in terms of being highly sensitive, when I talk about self care, I'm really talking about like honoring your unique sensitive needs. So like quiet. <laughs> downtime, alone time, um, anything that you can do to reduce the hyper arousal. So, you know, like lowering the lights, anything like that. Um, but if you do it, (coughs) if you do it on a proactive basis rather than a reactive basis. And what I mean by that is like, you know, a lot of times we only bring out our self-care tools when we had a bad day or the shit hit the fan or something's going wrong and that's fine and it can help. But for sensitives in particular i mean i think this is helpful for people in general but especially for sensitives if you do it every single day consistently and you make it like i talked about it like emotional hygiene like make it as important as brushing your teeth because Mm -hmm. then you're building up a store almost it's like a a squirrel like storing up nuts for the winter you know it's like then you have this kind of centeredness groundedness and calmness that you can call upon when the shit does hit the fan and also if you can work that into your everyday routine, then it will be easier not to go into the hyper, hyper arousal. Right. Exactly. Like prevention. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So if someone's listening and they're kind of already relating to what we're talking about, um, but they're not a hundred percent sure that they're a highly sensitive person. Like I know that that's an actual term. It's not a DSM term, is it? I don't think so. Um, you know, I don't think it is, although it is, so it was like the early 90s, Elaine Aaron, who's the woman who wrote The Highly Sensitive Person, um, which is like the the book on being highly sensitive, because she was the researcher that actually coined that term, that did all the research to prove that it actually is a genetic trait. So I think it's looked at more as a genetic trait rather than a diagnosis. Um, Okay, cool. I don't think it's in the DSM, but... um, But yeah, so, but there's a lot of clinical scientific research that shows the way that our brains work differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. So there is, so that to be like, with that being said, so there is such thing as a hyper or a highly sensitive person, which we can kind of acronym it to HSP, correct? Yep. So 
what are the characteristics of being a highly sensitive person? Kind of if someone's thinking like, oh, this sounds like me, but they may not have heard this term or identified with it yet. How or what are the signs even if you have someone who is highly sensitive in your life? Like what what is typical of a HSP? So highly sensitive people, so there's there's a lot of, of signs of it. So um, like we talked about earlier, getting overwhelmed very easily, startling easily, um, not uh, liking loud noises. Most HSPs don't like to watch the news or violent films. Um, <clears throat> you also are very creative, very perceptive, very observant, um, feel things very, very deeply, care very deeply about people, um, pick up on little details that other people don't, and also pick up on energies and feelings coming from others. So if you, you know, feel like you can feel other people's feelings, or you walk into a room and like you can immediately notice where the tension in the room is, or if you sometimes pick up feel like you don't know why you're feeling the way that you feel, you probably picked it up from somebody else. Like we literally have, um, so to go into the science of it, HSPs have more activation on what's called our mirror neurons. And the mirror neurons in our brain are the little guys that like, if I see somebody take a sip of a cup of coffee, my brain fires as if I took a sip of a cup of coffee. So they're basically what give us our empathy. Um, so HSPs have more of those. So we're extremely, extremely, extremely empathetic, able to put ourselves in other people's shoes very easily. Um, and we do tend to have struggles with anxiety and depression. Uh, but that is a result of being highly sensitive, not necessarily, you know, part of the trait. Uh, but yeah, those are those are kind of the main things. So I'm also very intuitive. Um, you know, it's funny when I when I talk about these traits because there's sort of differences between HSPs who have been like trained to work with their gift and HSPs who have not been trained to work with their gift. So, uh, but again, those are kind of results of how you deal with it. But the core trait is mostly like we take in more information from the world around us. So, you know, um, and it's specifically feelings and energies. Cool. So with. I think the thing I'm most interested in is how, and I think this is what people will be wondering as well, out of the whole description is how do you know, or maybe I'm just being biased, but how do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you know, and how do you, like Amber, help your clients know if they, something they're feeling is theirs or someone else's? Because even in my own life, you know, I know you're one of my clients, so like there's a lot of layers here, but sometimes even I have a hard time deciphering, is this mine or is this someone else's? So can you shed some light on that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the hardest things. Honestly, it is really difficult. Um, there's a lot of different tools that can kind of help you to get better at determining if something is yours or not. The biggest tool is honestly awareness because the more aware we are throughout the day of how we're feeling and what we're thinking and our surroundings, the more that we're able to once again, have more information to help us make that decision. So I like to recommend to people who are just kind of working with this to, throughout the day set an alarm on your phone and do what I call taking your emotional pulse which is essentially just like when that alarm goes off um, just like stop drop and check in so I mean obviously not if you're like in a meeting or driving your car or what you know but um, <laughs> the most within reasonable thing. context yes exactly exactly uh, a little disclaimer there um, <laughs> 
But, you know, the whole point of it is to start training your brain to check back in with you because we tend as HSPs to be so outward focused because we have these little like magical antenna, you know, and we're like taking in so much information from the world around us that we are, um, that's why it's really hard for us to ground because like we're like up in the air, we're very heady, we're like taking in all this stuff. So the point of this is to start training yourself to go back within, like pull the attention back within and literally just like close your eyes, block out the stimuli, put your hand on your heart and ask yourself like, how am I? <laughs> what am I feeling? What am I experiencing right now? Like what's been going on throughout my day? Like what do I most need in this moment? And when you can do that like three to four times a day, like after a while, you won't need the alarm on your phone anymore, but it's just, it, it's changing the brain patterns so that we remember to check in on ourselves because what happens with a lot of people and what used to happen to me is that by the end of the day, like I wouldn't do that. And then by the end of the day, I'd come home and I'd be so anxious and I'd be so overwhelmed and I'd be feeling all these feelings, but it was just like a tangled mess. And at that point, like you can't really determine what's what. But when you kind of break it out through the day and are really aware of what's happening around you, it's easier um, to kind of put together like, oh, like I've been around crappy people at work all day. No wonder I feel like this. Or, oh, that's right. That lady was really mean to me at the grocery store. I think I picked up her stuff. You know, you can just kind of start to piece it together. Um, another thing is like to really ask yourself, like, is this mine? You know, just like ask yourself, like, is this mine or is this not mine? Um, and, and why? Like, just start asking yourself that question. And, and it's really like building a muscle. Like, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Um, so there's no one quick fix here. It's a lot of different things to kind of try and play with. But the other thing is journaling is really helpful. Honestly, if you do it on a consistent basis, like back to the proactive self-care, because I see journaling as having a conversation with yourself. Like, really, all of these tools are about pulling the, the energy and the focus and the attention back within. Because the more that we understand and can sit with and know our own energy, the more that we will be aware of when we're being pulled out of it or picking up somebody else's. Mm. So it's, it's like really having this very solid, um, you know, like loving relationship with yourself and awareness of yourself and spending time with yourself and getting to know yourself and having conversations with yourself in your journal. Because if we, if we're very deeply connected to ourselves, like it's going to feel off when we pick up somebody else's stuff. But if we're not connected to ourselves and we're anxious and we're overwhelmed and we're thinking about all this stuff and we're going through our day, like we're kind of just walking around with our arms wide open, like come and feast on my energy, you know? Right. You really, you're not even really aware of, of what's going on. Mm, yeah. So that exercise is called taking your emotional pulse. I love, mm. I, I love when you bring that up because <laughs> it's such a good, it's a, it's such a good check-in and it's like, okay, if you know that, if you know your daily schedule, like roughly it should be similar every day, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, put your alarms at times that you know that you'll be able to take your emotional pulse. Yeah. And it really only has to take like 60 seconds. I mean, you can spend longer, but the whole point is just like doing it, like making yourself check back in. When I first started working on this in my own life, I actually had a tattoo right on my pulse point on my right wrist. And I got that specifically to remind myself to do it. Because um, it's challenging in the beginning because it's like, you know, we're not used to doing it. Most like HSPs that haven't been trained in this or haven't started doing some of this personal exploration, um, 
we're very outward focused. And we also like, we tend to be chronic people pleasers. We want to make everybody happy. A, because we can feel everybody's emotions. So if somebody's unhappy, like, of course, we're going to want to help them because we're naturally like empathetic, caring creatures. But also it's uncomfortable when you're walking around feeling everybody's crap all day. So like, we just tend (laughs) to dive in and want to fix and heal and soothe and you know, that in and of itself is like a a beautiful intention. But what tends to happen is that like, we get left in the dust, like all of our stuff gets left in the dust, because we're so busy taking care of everybody else. And so we really need to like pull the reins back in. And because if we are in a place where we're overwhelmed and depleted and often resentful and like, you know, have all this anxiety, it's like, yeah, you can, of course, you can still help people because you're a naturally good person. But think about if you were taken care of and if your needs were met and if you were filled up and if you felt really good, that's when like the power of being sensitive can really shine through because then you're like, like you took it back into your control instead of just being like wide open, feasting season for everybody like, oh, I'll help you with this and I'll help you with this. I'll take, you know, and you're just getting like railroaded by it. If you can channel it and intentionally decide what you want to do with that gift of being able to like heal and help people it comes out in a much more powerful way and you don't end up depleted at the end of the day yeah yeah and and that's a good point there right so okay let's say however you're taking care of yourself in all of the ways you just highlighted Mm -hmm. but you still pick up other people's stuff Mm mm-hmm um, well, actually, do you think that's possible first? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. You'll still pick it up. Uh, okay. just, just not as much and you'll be able to uh, notice it and, and let go of it much quicker. Okay. So given that you do pick it up and then you're realizing you ask yourself, is this mine? You're kind of like, no, actually this is belongs to my client or to uh, my friend or to my family member or to the lady at the grocery store. <laughs> like, you know, um, <laughs> when you've done that process, how do you quote unquote, let go of it? Like, is it just a, I'm letting go of this? Is there energetic practices that you can do? Is there basically like what I'm asking is how do you separate your energy? Like this is mine. And then this is someone else's and retain um, a level of compassion and empathy, but not go into like emerging or assimilation. And I know that you have this whole thing. We were actually talking about that when we were living together for a couple of days in the retreat, like, observe not absorb right so can you talk about that because i'm sure that there's going to be listeners who are like okay well i do all of the things but then i still pick up people's stuff and i'm still assimilating with them i'm still merging with them i still want to retain my good samaritan being (laughs) however (laughs) like i don't want to be sick and um you know unwell because i'm basically processing other people's stuff for them right Right. Yeah. So when I talk about observe, not absorb, like people are like, cool, how do I do that? Because it it sounds like, I mean, it's a cute little catchphrase, but it's, (laughs) it's not an overnight process, unfortunately. Um, So again, this is like, it's like building a muscle, learning a new tool, learning a new skill. You know, it's like, when you are first learning to drive a car and you have to think about everything like okay is my foot on the right pedal like where is the turn signal like what is good like all the things and then after you know six months or so you just get in the car and drive right it's kind of like that type of thing so yeah um there's there's a bunch of different things that you can use and 
like take what works for you and lose the rest. Like there's no right or wrong here. It's about like playing with these tools and experimenting and figuring out what works best for you. So um, as far as like, yeah, once you've noticed that you picked up somebody else's stuff and you want to let it go. So you can like, you know, set an intention with yourself so you can talk yourself through it. Um, you know, sometimes I just say like, I'm returned to sender with love. Like, I'm just like, like focusing my energy, like seeing the person, like seeing them in love and being like, this is your shit, not mine. I'm going to politely give it back to you. Like, I can't help you with this. <laughs> um, so just really kind of like in your mind, doing a visualization, setting that intention. Um, <clears throat> you could, excuse me, you can also journal your feelings about it. Sometimes we just need to talk about our feelings about it to be able to move past it. Like, I really wish I could help this person. This is, re it's really hard for me to let this go. Like, why is it hard for me to let this go? Like, what am I feeling? You know, why am I holding on to it? Like asking yourself those questions, writing it out. Um, physical movement can also be really helpful with stuff like this. So like doing yoga, stretching, going to the gym, moving it through your body. And just when you're doing that physical movement with the intention of like, I am sweat, literally sweating out the toxins. Like I'm releasing everything that's not mine. Um, sometimes I will sage myself. So, you know, bringing in like a more spiritual magical tool, um, just to, and, and every time I do one of these things, because really the most important thing is the intention behind it. Like, you know, like letting yourself, cause we think like, oh, you know, I can't just decide to let this go. Well, you can, it's not that easy, but you can, like your intentions are much more powerful than most people think. But when you start to believe in the power of them, then they start to show up more powerfully. So even when I'm saging myself, I'm saying to myself, like I'm like I'm clearing my energy field, like I'm releasing these things that I've been holding on to. Um, and another helpful tool from a more kind of like practical logistical side, you know, when I'm talking about observe, not absorb, it's like notice when, you know, so for example, you're with your friend, she's having a really bad day, right? Let's just say, um, and she's going on and on and on and like venting about her bad day and all the bad things that are happening. So there's, you can either like take that into your own energetic field in your body and then you start to feel like shit and then you feel depressed and you feel awful, right? Which is what typically happens. Or if you can kind of talk yourself through it, build a little bit of space between you and what's going on with her. Like, I see that my friend is really upset. I'm feeling her feelings. Like, this is the awareness stuff that I'm talking about. You know, just like be aware of it. Like, I'm feeling her feelings. Okay, but this is not me and it's not mine. And I can observe from a loving space. Like, I, it's cool that you can feel her feelings because you know, like, deeply what she's experiencing, which therefore makes you a better listener and supporter and friend, right? But that doesn't mean it's yours. Like you have to talk yourself through it and be like, but it's not my, like, I don't have to take it with me. Like that's where the observe part comes in. Like I'm observing it and I'm observing it deeply because I'm like feeling it, you know, but that's a tool for me to be able to empathize with her better. Like I don't need to walk away <clears throat> and carry that with me because there's only so much you can do. Right. And if we are making ourselves this container for everybody else's like junk, then we're not really going to be able to be very powerful or effective, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's kind of like, there's a lot of different stuff to try and play with there, but like, I can't reiterate enough like how important awareness is because when you notice it, when it's happening, it gives you so much more power over it and control with what you choose to do with it. That's lovely. And I guess this is where working with you, and I don't guess, I mean, I know that this <laughs> is where working with someone like you who specializes in this um, can help a person 
kind of harness the tools that work best for them and explore and get new ideas and get to a place where their an- their energy feels manageable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the really cool and beautiful part about this work is that like sensitive women are so freaking amazing. And once you can get to a place where like the stuff feels more manageable to you, like all the feelings and all the energy and all the overwhelm, it clears up so much space in your life to focus on so many other things because like, you know, sensitive women and men, I mean, I work specifically with women, but this applies to men too, are creative and intuitive and actually make really great leaders, even though people who are sensitive are usually like, wait, what, me? But no, it's true because like we understand people so well. Um, We're typically very good like writers. Like we're just really good at sharing and helping and healing. And I always say that, you know, I think part of the reason that, well, my personal belief is that like, this is not an accident. Like we didn't like accidentally get this genetic trait. It's 20% of the population. So although we are technically the minority and we can feel really misunderstood, 20% of the population worldwide is a lot of freaking people. And what's cool about it is it's not just in people, it's in animals too. Like, and I freaking love that because there is highly sensitive animals. And in the animal kingdom, like nobody could like, they don't get like made fun of for being sensitive, right? Right. highly sensitive animals are actually the ones that sense danger first and that are better at seeking out food and water and you know it's like it's an asset in the animal kingdom like they have a place in the pack and so I'm like we have a place in the pack right like we have a job to do here and I think that part of the reason why we are so highly attuned particularly to the dark places of the world is so that we know what needs healing we know what needs fixing we know what needs like love poured into it and we have the capacity to do those things to see where it's most needed and to give it but we can only really do that in a powerful way if we know how to take care of ourselves first love that and you said kind of what i was thinking which is just like we're really attuned to the dark of the world meaning where there needs um where there needs relief basically right Mm -hmm. Um, and if we weren't highly sensitive, we weren't, we wouldn't be able to tap into that or to even notice it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And cool. so it's, it's, it's hard because we, we see all this dark stuff and we feel all this dark stuff, but then like we have this ability to do something really cool about it, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So something I wanted to add to the, uh, observe versus absorb, um, that I've kind of gotten better at in you know, I would say just the past couple of months, whenever someone with my clients, like I have a different relationship in the sense of like, that's my job, you know? So like, I expect to be a placeholder. Like I expect to basically like hold the space and that is what I signed up for. And that is a choice that I make every day. Right. However, in my personal life, like when someone had big emotions sometimes like I'd be like oh god like I can't handle this or I'd just be like this is my job all day long like I just don't want to I don't want to deal with this right because I would absorb it more so than observe it in that setting because it was more personal to me because I existed as a person with my own needs and my own personality in there and not as the person who holds the space for transformation and healing like I do as a coach right Mm -hmm. so Lately in the past couple months, like I've been in situations where people around me have had really intense, like moments of grief or moments of sadness or whatever it was. And um, instead of like absorbing it as though it was my own, I've been able to observe it by just 
being there with the pain and validating it and saying, yeah, like this is real and I understand why it's here, right? Compared to like, let me like take this on because it seems like it's too much for you to hold on your own, right? It's like, I'm going to hold it with you and be here with you and give you validation and support and help and nurturing and whatever you need in this moment for sure, right? And at the same time, I'm not going to take it on in my own body to process it as though it was my own trauma. I'll be an assistant, but I won't be the person who's processing it because that's your event to process. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a beautiful point. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. That's so important because yeah, I like, I like that you said an assistant because you know, it's like you're lending your energy. You're, you're lending yourself in the sense that you're sitting, like you said, sitting with them in it. Like, yeah, like, and the validation is so huge too, because a lot of times, you know, our first inclination is to want to fix, like, how can we fix this? You know, but like people don't need fixing. They need to be heard and have space held for them and be understood. And sometimes the most healing thing you can do is just to sit there and be like, yeah, I I hear you. This is really painful. This is, you know, like you said. Um, And then it's like, you're, you're kind of like your energies are blending, but you're not completely taking in and absorbing everything that's theirs. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a friend who lost his mom recently, um, who, you know, was sharing with me his process and what was going on for him. And um, I just listened. And honestly, I said, I'd feel the same way, you know, like, it's okay to feel like this. I don't know how it feels. I've not gone through that. Um, but like I can project and assume that I would feel the same way. And mm-hmm. it was, it was such a different thing than me being like, okay, like let's try to like transform this pain. Um, you know, like move it out. <laughs> like it was just like there and like that assistant versus, um, you know, taking it on as like, okay, like let me heal this for you. Right, right. Because you have to remember that it's not your responsibility to like fix people's emotions or fix their, like other people's feelings are not your responsibility, right? When we look at them as our responsibility, that, that it's our job to transmute them, then, you know, that's going to, it's going to be a really big struggle. But when you can, like, I'm still like, love how you said assistant. Like if you can think of like, I can assist them in the sense that like, I can be in this space with them, mm-hmm. but it's not my responsibility to fix it, erase it, take it away with me. So they don't have it transmute it for them. None of that is your responsibility. That's almost like a misuse of our gift, you know? And yeah. I'm not saying that in a critical way, like we just sort of do it naturally. So it's, it's not, you know, but but when you start to learn this stuff and look at it this way, it's like, that's like wasting precious energy, you know? And also that person needs to process their own stuff. Like it's important exactly. for them to do that. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, sometimes it's just like, okay, like let's like stop making it about us being the savior and just letting someone process their own things and, and let them have their own process that might be different than um, how we would process. And if they need something being available for them, but also not like interfering. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I feel like as a highly sensitive person, like because we feel how painful it is, like we want to make it go away and we want to fix it. And I think a big process of mine lately has been just starting to be a bit more comfortable with like 
like really hard things instead of like just trying to fix them and make them go away and just be present with them to let them pass instead of trying to like change them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have to feel things completely for them to like move on. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Everybody has to be able to do that in their own way. And, you know, it, it not taking on someone's pain doesn't mean you're not helping. Like it's incredibly powerful to sit in the presence of a highly sensitive person when you're having a tough time. Because we hold really powerful space naturally and we just like understand. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I've always been the person that like strangers will tell me their life story. Oh yeah. I go to the store and it's like, yeah, I know everything because I just said hello type of a thing. And then I'm like, how did I I get in this freaking situation? (laughs) You know, like, that's really annoying. (laughs) But because, and that's without us even doing anything or saying a word. It's because we have that energy emanating from us. So, you know, like to everybody listening, like, remember that, like you don't, it's not your job. It's not your responsibility to take on the feelings. Like you can be super, super helpful and healing just by being there. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing too, of like, I know that when I'm going through something, if someone's trying to fix it for me or take it on for me, or I don't even really want that. Like, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in just having someone validate and see me and hear me and be there for me. So like, I think that's so healing too, in terms of like, just observing, not absorbing, because if you're like absorbing to a certain level too, then it's like, then there's two incapable people in the mix. (laughs) Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we, um, we're a little overachievers. Like, (laughs) yes. And then it's like, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, stop interfering. Like this is not your place to like save everybody, you know, like how dare you think, and this is like a little bit of like a intense way to look at it, but how dare you think that like you are responsible for everybody's process, like Mm -hmm. relax a little, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what I tell myself sometimes in that way. And it helps me kind of de-dramatize and detach from having to micromanage everybody's experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, take, take the weight of the world off your shoulders. You know, like you don't, it's, it's not your responsibility and you can use and channel your gifts in a much more effective way. If you're not carrying around the weight of everybody's crap all the time, like it opens you up to so much more possibilities of like taking this, all the goodness of being highly sensitive and using it in a way that is actually more helpful and better for you anyways. So (laughs) Exactly. And, and what are your thoughts about this? Cause I'm thinking like from a trauma perspective lens and like from a trauma recovery specifically, um, you know, the deep need to like fix everything. Um, mm. do you think it comes from a place of wanting to be, you know, held with value and that gives us as highly sensitive people like our worth, because at least that's something that we're good at. Like, yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, I think there's two things here. I think part of it is, you know, like I, like I know for me personally, when I was growing up, like I was, I mean, I had, well, you know my life story, but I've had a lot of trauma in my life. And as a kid, like I really did not have any self-worth, like no self-esteem. The only way that I ever felt good is when I was making somebody else feel good. So right. it did in a way become 
you know, this um, place where I could feel worthy. Like I was like, at least if I can, you know, if I can put a smile on somebody's face or if I can fix their problem or if I can soothe or appease a situation of people. I mean, I was the little peacemaker, you know, particularly in my family. Um, but I think the other side of that coin too is that it gives us a sense of control. And particularly when we've gone through a lot of trauma, like control and safety. I, I know for me, like have been a big pattern in my life where, um, you know, I tried really hard to control things because when we experience a lot of trauma, we feel really out of control. We feel really unsafe. And so if we're fixing something or think we're fixing something, it kind of gives us this false illusion of having, yep. control, which brings in a, a false sense of safety. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 And so it's, you know, but, but where our, our actual, like, I think most healing and powerful place. And the only thing that we really do have control over is ourselves. And so that's coming back to like your relationship with yourself, like your relationship with your trauma, like healing that, working on yourself, connecting to yourself deeper, you know, focusing on the things that you can control, which is you. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, I had to learn to, and I'm still working on this, quite honestly, you know, I think it's a lifelong journey, but to build safety from the inside out, because I was always seeking like answers and safety and control and validation from the outside world to tell me that I was okay, because I had experienced so much trauma. So it was like, you know, but it's really that's all a false illusion and it can be taken away from you at any minute. Whereas if you can build that from the inside out, like nobody that's yours, nobody can take that from you. Yeah. I love that perspective. Um, okay. So I have two things I want to say. Um, <laughs> one of them is okay. Before I forget, like, I just want to say too, like as an empath and as a highly sensitive person, it's also okay to like feel all of the spectrum of emotions, both in ourselves and in other people mm-hmm. without needing to immediately change it. And I think that has been really helpful for me as an, as a highly sensitive person. And you can tell us if it's been helpful for you as well. Um, I kind of touched on it before of like letting like really terrible, horrible feelings come up without needing to like fix them or solve them or like manipulate them to be different. Um, And then like the second thing that kind of comes along with that is that, you know, because of that internal safety that's placed there as you cultivate it and the internal resourcing, you don't need to use your gift in, I don't want to say messed up ways because that's not what it is, but you don't have to use your gift um, in a way that then is detrimental to you. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think both of those are such good points. And, you know, as to the first one about kind of feeling the, the range of emotions, you know, we, we live in a society that honestly tells us we're supposed to be happy all the time. Like it yeah. tells us we're supposed to be but happy. That's unhealthy. Been, it's unhealthy. So even unhealthy. Like, even on a neurological, biological, like full blown, just nervous system perspective, it's unhealthy if you're happy all the time, because we're mammals. Like it, it's, it's, it's delusional to think that we can be happy all of the time, especially when we're community oriented beings. Anyway, keep going. So society is like, be happy all the time. Go ahead. (laughs) And then it's like, that's what we're being told. But then our, 
our natural state is to have this rainbow of emotions, right? But then we label ourselves and judge ourselves and shame ourselves for having them, which is like, like we're trying to push them away and then we're making ourselves feel bad about having them. And it's like you're beating yourself up on top of beating yourself up. And it's just so unhealthy. It's so unhealthy. So, you know, it's like emotions are not like they're neutral. Like they don't have, like they're not negative or positive. They're just there. Like I look at them as like their guides, their teachers, like they show up to help us process something that understand how something is affecting us. You know, like they want to be heard. They want to be seen when we are angry and we try and push our anger away. Like what happens? Like that never has a good result, right? We're going to end up blowing up at somebody. Um, but if we can like honor that anger and explore it and ask it questions and sit with it for a minute, then we can make an educated decision of what to do with the feeling. You know, a lot of people who come to me, uh, one of the things they struggle with the most is feeling triggered and being quote unquote reactive. They're like, I'm so reactive and everybody tells me I'm so reactive. Well, part of the thing that makes us reactive is that we're not letting ourselves experience the emotions. We're telling ourselves that what we're feeling is wrong. And then that's going to trigger you. And of course you're going to be reactive, you know? And when you're sensitive, this is especially important because we get a lot of feedback from the world around us that like, our feelings are somehow invalid or incorrect or that our experience of the world is somehow invalid or incorrect. Like you're overreacting, you're being too sensitive. Oh my God, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Like all of that kind of feedback. And then we like invalidate our emotions to ourselves on top of it. So it's really, really important to like let the emotions be and not be afraid of them and not shame yourself for them. I mean, yeah, sometimes you're going to feel like shit. Well, that's part of life. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and, Honestly, when you can get yourself to a place where you can do that and like hold the emotion, like without judgment, like look at it with curiosity, not judgment, it's going to pass so much quicker. And when you're not walking around with like this Santa Claus bag of like unfelt feelings on your back, then you're not going to get as triggered or be as reactive. Right. So, um, I, yeah, I think that, I think that's so important. It's like, and, and, and to remember too, like, you don't always have to do anything with it or about it or fix it. Like, yeah be felt it's a feeling it needs to be felt you know and and to feel it and honor it and then like once it's not so intense you can make like an educated decision about what you want to do about it or whatever the situation that caused that emotion is um and then sorry what was your other question <laughs> i was saying along the lines of like you know when you have that inner safety built up um and you're not trying to get that false sense of control by having worth um, Oh yeah. In, in like helping people and you feel worthy um, without that. You're not using your gifts in like any detrimental way because using your gift in the sense of like trying to get your needs met like is a smart way to go about things because obviously you need your needs met. Mm -hmm. But then um, – you know, if you're using it in that way to get validation or to get worth or to feel value and you don't feel that in other places, but when you're sacrificing yourself for someone else, that becomes problematic, right? So that's what I meant by like using your gift in a detrimental way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so like, it, you know, that, and I, I did that for years, like when I was younger, you know, like I said before, and it's just like when it is a very um, unhealthy way to relate to your gifts. But again, it makes sense why we do that when yeah. we're not taught how to do something else. So this is not, this is not, um, you know, a space to, again, use this to shame ourselves. It's just like, oh, wow, I've been doing that. Interesting. Like, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, 
Or maybe I should explore why I don't feel worthy unless I'm using my gift in this way. Like why just without doing anything, I don't feel like I have a value, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, this is like, even though I teach this stuff and I'm a coach and I work with people on this stuff, you know, I still have to work on it in, in my own life and be really aware of it. Like Emily and I were having a conversation just the other day where I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that like, it creeps up in my business all the time where I was kind of using my, not using, that's not the right word, but like looking for validation outside of myself that like, it was okay for me to do this work. So it was showing up in my business, even though like, it wasn't really like popping up in my personal life per se right now. I, and I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, (laughs) um, but you know, well, your words were actually, Oh damn it. Yeah. Let's be honest. But like, I can't show up as a really powerful coach and healer and leader if I'm like in this place of giving my power away to seeking validation outside of myself through my business, right? So that's just an example of how, you know, like I can be so much stronger and better at what I do when like I pull that validation back into my own court and like handle it in my own, on my own side of the street, you know, yeah, um, and not, and not use my gifts as a tool to tell me whether I'm worthy or not, because like, we're all inherently worthy, but we have to heal that wound. Um, and when you've had a lot of trauma, it, it takes, it just takes time, you know? And it's like in all of this, like just be, be gentle with yourself, you know, be kind to yourself, like pay attention to the things that you're saying to yourself throughout the day and the emotional pulse thing will really help with that because we have these nasty like inner critic tracks in our head and sometimes they're so automatic that we don't even realize that we're saying these things to ourselves you know like we have to pay attention and like why not be nice to yourself like why not be kind to yourself you know um and and let yourself like like just be loving and compassionate with yourself because we are very loving compassionate beings <laughs> but again we give so much of it away outside of ourselves and we need to kind of like pull that back in yeah yeah and it's almost like we give it away to hopefully like showcase how we need to be loved mm-hmm. to others like i think that's fundamentally what a lot of highly sensitive people do it's like we love each other like we love each other i guess so <laughs> deeply or we love the people who are unwilling or incapable to meet our needs in, in such like a profound way, almost like we're modeling like, hi, this is like how I would like to be loved, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, then give yourself what you needed, right? That you didn't get. Start, like you're clearly very good at loving other people. You're very good at loving point blank. So like, can you turn that inward? Yeah. Just yeah. little by little, right? And then eventually build a strong foundation with of a connection and a in a relationship with yourself. Exactly. And it just, you know, it's it takes time, like it is little by little. And the other thing there too is that, you know, a lot of times we're we're doing that, like you were saying, like modeling like how we would want to be loved, but we're not saying it. We're not using our words. Like it can be really hard when you're highly sensitive to ask for what you need, to stand up for yourself, to advocate for yourself because you're so busy doing it for everybody else. So I think that's the other important point there is like, you know, taking care of, of your own needs for yourself and with yourself, but also like in relationships and friendships and partnerships, like at, like ask people for what you need, you know, like we really need to work on developing like our voices and feeling okay about like asking and receiving rather than always being the giver. Yeah, exactly. And have a bit more of like a, you know, give and take um, and not necessarily like 
counting that, but just having some form of like being met the way that we meet, right? Right. So something I also wanted to bring up here, because I know that I'm not suggesting, and I, I can assume that Amber is not suggesting that you just become self-centered um, in any way. <laughs> so like, you know, and I don't think it's possible for highly sensitive people to really truly go there anyway. Um, however, um, there are some people who might be listening or who actually take these concepts when they're not highly sensitive and then they become self-centered. And this peeves me so hard because <laughs> it's like, okay, that is not the point. Like you're taking care of yourself to be able to like, one, of course, like be happy and well and like be able to be well-resourced enough to welcome the entire spectrum of emotions in yes. your life. But you're also doing it to be in community. Like that to me is like the point of life, like community and connection. Um, biologically, we are made for that. Biologically, just historically, you know, speaking, like we couldn't survive without tribe before. So I think that this message around like bring the love inward and and take care of yourself and do the things for you and put yourself first instead of giving to other people all the time. I think that is inherently okay to be giving as messages, but I think some people take it in the wrong way and then put it into play into their lives as like, I'm number one matters and I'm number one and that's about it. And then that leads to like isolation, at least to factored relationships, at least to actually hurting other people really intensely. So that's not what we're suggesting here at all. Um, and Amber, I want to kind of talk about how to take care of yourself and then still be able to hold space and have capacity to take care of other people. Because I know like in my own life, like I'm just thinking of some friends and also like my mother um, <laughs> who like take these spiritual ideals of, or just these self-help ideas in general around caring for ourselves and putting ourselves first and doing the things that we need in order to be really truly um, thriving in our lives but then they take it to an extreme that is like not intended in this advice in the first place and anyway talk about that <laughs> yeah yeah I mean definitely no I'm not advocating selfishness yeah. <laughs> um and usually like I don't I don't worry about that when I'm talking about this stuff to highly sensitive people because like yeah. he says like, that's not really like I mean, I'm not saying you can't be selfish as an HSP, like we all have the capacity to show up as selfish at times, you know, but like, that's not like our true nature. And usually the people that need to hear this message the most are the ones that are like deeply afraid of being selfish, you know? So yeah. it's like they need to like be able to give themselves more. Um, but but the, in case we don't have people who are HSP listening, let's, let's lay it down or just for me to get my anger out. <laughs> yeah. This is not about selfishness. This is not about you are number one. This is exactly like Emily said, we are a community like of human beings, you know, like, but it's, this is about being your optimal self and being your best self and feeling well enough that you can participate in that community in a proactive way and in a way that feels good for you and also feels good for the community, you know, and, and in specifically with HSPs, like, and I, you know, this is my firmest belief is like, we, this is a gift that we were given. Like, this is not an accident. 20% of us have this. Like, it's obviously there on purpose, in my humble opinion. Um, and so, 
you know, how can we use it in its most powerful way? How can we use it to its best ability? And when we are not taken care of, our gift is not being taken care of. Therefore, we are not using it at its most healthy, full capacity to give back to the community. So that's really like the point of this, you know, it's, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel good and feel well and have your needs met. Like we all deserve that. That's a thing that we're telling ourselves, you know, that like, it's not okay for us to give to ourselves because that makes us selfish. No, like taking care of yourself and being selfish are two very different things. However, some people get them confused. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's dangerous sometimes to take the, the ideas that we just talked about if um, you're not inherently a highly sensitive person, because then you might take it and be like, hmm, I'm the only one who matters. And that's not the message that's here no. at all. Um, and I think that's very true for a lot of self-help concepts. People are taking them in ways that they're not intended to be taken. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to like briefly bring that in because I know that um, myself, I don't, I take care of myself so I can take care of my people. That's just like who I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I take care of myself also like for my own pleasure type of a thing and to be my greatest self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that I can make my dreams and I can make like I can make my dreams happen or I can make an impact in our society. Um, But I don't do it for selfish reasons because I know that biologically that's just not the right way to go about things. If we're going to change the society for the better. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Anyway, I just wanted to put that in there. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) I have another concept that I want to touch on Amber. Yes. That is just like the foundational self care that a highly sensitive person should be implementing in their lives for optimum like functioning. Can you lay that down for us? Yes, of course. Um, So again, this is one of the areas where like take what works for you and leave the rest. Um, But so the most important thing, A, is that you do it. (laughs) B, that you do it consistently, uh, (laughs) proactively. Um, But then like what you do. So the things that I have found that are the most helpful for me and that are the most helpful for most of my clients our um, consistency and routine are very calming for us because we are already processing so much and taking in so much that if we know what to expect throughout our day, that just takes one more stressor or one more thing to pay attention to off our plate. So routine is really helpful for HSPs. I'm not saying that you have to have like this super rigid structure, but just, you know, like setting a morning routine for yourself every day. So you know that when you get up, you do blank, blank, blank. Um, or, you know, trying to, whether you work for yourself or work for somebody else, have like consistent hours so that you know what time of the day that you can like be done and like let yourself off the hook and kind of start to relax into your evening. Um, but then, you know, as far as like the little pockets of, of self-care time, um, meditation is extremely helpful just to, you know, help calm our minds, right? Because we've got so much going on. Um, Journaling that I mentioned before is huge. Another thing that I recommend to a lot of my clients is to have one journal that's like a dedicated journal and I call it the worry journal. And so you can, a lot of people, this is really helpful right before you go to sleep at night, but some people like to do it first thing when they wake up in the morning. But the whole point of this is just to like dump everything in there. Cause we, sometimes when we journal, we censor ourselves, like as if somebody else is going to read it, especially if you do writing in any 
way where you share it with the public that when you're writing in your journal, sometimes you're like editing yourself. And it's like, no, that's not the point. So the worry journal is just to be like, this sucks. I hate this. I had a bad day. I'm mad at this person. Like I'm stressed out about this. I'm worried about this. Like just dump it out, you know, and like let yourself it's, I don't know what it is about having like one journal that's just dedicated to that. That makes it easier to do that there because a lot of times this HS piece and this comes back to the, like, we're supposed to be happy all the time. Like we don't want to have these bad emotions. We don't want to be mad about stuff. We don't want to be angry about stuff, but we are. So (laughs) and then (laughs) that will help you like putting something somewhere, like having that physical ritual of writing it down and like putting it in that energetic container will help you fall asleep. And, or if you're doing it in the morning, help you move into your day. Just like, it's not that you won't think about that stuff anymore, but like it kind of helps like ease the pressure a little bit. Um, Other things that are really helpful for me are like, you know, I pull Oracle cards sometimes. It's just a way to connect with my intuition. It's just a way to, for me to check in with myself on what's going on. Um, Sitting in silence, having the lights dim. I know I mentioned those things before. Like basically the point of this is bringing the attention back inward, connecting within, working on your relationship with yourself and trying to get to know the voice of your inner guide. Because like, it's like when you're highly sensitive, it feels like the volume on life is turned up all the way, like all the time. So it's really hard for us to like hear whatever you want to call it, your inner GPS, the voice of your soul, your inner guide, your inner child, whatever you want to call it, like the, your like, like that part of you that is like whispering to you all the time. But when the world is so noisy and then also, you know, we have our inner critic that like, it's usually the loudest voice in our brain. Um, it can be really hard to hear like what your soul is saying to you. And so the more time that you can spend trying to listen within and connect within through journaling or meditation or whatever that looks like for you, um, the more that you will be able to recognize that voice when she does come up. So that's another thing. Um, Basically, so we're trying to get grounded, centered, connect with ourselves, get to know ourselves, spend time with ourselves, uh, reduce the external stimuli, like have some, you know, getting out of that state of overwhelm. Um, and, And that's like when you do that consistently, it makes a world of difference. And then the other thing too that I don't want to forget to mention is like, just basic like human self-care like are you getting enough sleep like are you getting like the right kind of nutrition in your diet um we like that will throw anybody off if they're not getting enough sleep or if they're not eating right but like we're again remember you're affected more by things so it will hit you even harder than like the average person so any of that type of like just basic human self-care is just really vital for us to feel like our most optimal selves and then kind of adding in really working on you know, building in pockets of being grounded and, and connecting within. Um, another thing that's really helpful too is I will, like, I'm a huge, like, my husband makes fun of me for this all the time, but I still have a paper planner. Like, I put stuff on my computer calendar too. But for me, there's something about writing things down. I don't know what it is. But anyways. Because it's a I, semantic thing, right? Yeah. It's just, like, satisfying to cross something off a list. I don't know, more satisfying than, like, checking it off on my computer. But anyways, whatever you <laughs> you use to like for your to-do list or your calendar or whatever um try and build in pockets of what i call white space which is where like there's nothing on your calendar like because i know myself really well and i will i will fill up my calendar real fast like (laughs) i'm a busy lady and i like to be busy um but i have to watch that with myself because then i'm like super overwhelmed and my self-care starts to slip and so uh, the, the white space is where, you know, like, even if it's just a half an hour in your day and then you're like, cool, like, what do I want to do right now? What do I need right now? Maybe I just need to freaking sit and like process my day, you know? So it's really, um, 
being aware of your needs, being aware of the fact that you do take in more stimuli from the world around you and then setting yourself up for success within that. I literally have a day a week where I don't plan anything. It's not always the same day, but um, I, some, I just make sure that I have one day a week where I can just be curious about what my impulses are without yeah. like needing to do anything. Yeah. It's really, it's like, it's, it's, it seems like this foreign concept in today's world where everything's like, go, 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 go. But when you can do that, you're like, wow, this is really kind of cool. Like, what comes up when you're not super busy and stressed out, you know, like what, and it's also, it's soothing to sensitive people to be able to just be like, Oh God, like there's nothing like, there's no pressure. There's nothing I have to do right now. Like, what do I actually want to do? How am I feeling? You know? Exactly. Totally. Great tips. Um, what, which is your favorite for yourself? Oh God. Um, just my favorite. Um, I think I know for myself personally that when I can, and I struggle with this too, you guys, I don't know <laughs> near perfect. Uh, but when I can be really consistent with like taking some time every single morning to just like sit and check in with myself and be like, where am I at? And do some writing that like, I feel so much freaking better in general. It's such a simple thing, but yeah. um, to just like really prioritize and carve out that time for myself. Um, it, it's sometimes it's hard in the moment. Like sometimes I honestly feel like anxious because I'm like, I have stuff to do. I need to work. But when I can kind of push through that uncomfortableness and then really let myself have that time, um, it just, I mean, I, I feel a million times better. Yeah. Um, I can tell when you've been doing that or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yeah. Of my, my attitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, and it's kind of like that question that right to heal teaches of like, what is it like to be me today? And just seeing what that is. Cause every day is going to be different. Yeah. And I love that question. Like, I love it so much. It's so simple, but so profound, you know, it's like the perfect question to really like check in with yourself. Yeah. It's like another way to take an emotional pulse, you know? Yeah. I mean? Well, I guess it's the same thing as just like said differently. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So last thing I really want to touch on for this episode's sake is this whole idea of how to manage and cope um, with having people tell you that you're too sensitive. Um, you know that I've grown up in a family where I am the sensitive one. And recently I've just been like, you know what? Screw all y'all because <laughs> I am the only one who pays attention and who calls things out as they are. Y'all are weirdly asleep. You guys are not <laughs> awake to what is actually going on. And you guys take it out on me for noticing because it forces you to see the truth and to face things that are uncomfortable for you. So I'm done being the too sensitive one, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a legit conversation I had with my father, by the way. <laughs> I was like, I'm just done with you telling me that I'm too sensitive. Like, I am sensitive, but I'm also just paying attention. Yeah. You know? So tell me about your ideas around that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's so irritating to hear that all the time, and especially from, like, close family members. It's hurtful, right? Because they're saying it as a criticism, like, as an insult. Like, you're just, right. you know, that's not a nice thing to say to somebody. No. Um, and I think, I think it gives the impression that who, because we're just being who we are. Like, we're just being our natural selves. So it gives us the impression, like, the feedback is, like, you're not okay as you are. 
the way that you, there's something wrong with the way that you are um, is you know how it often makes us feel. Of course, makes sense. The more that we are okay with who we are, <laughs> the less it's going to bug you. Still bug you, but the more that you are have come to a place. And when I say you, of course, I'm just talking to everybody listening. But like the more that you've come to a place of accepting your own sensitivity, like it's not going to bug you as much because you'll be like, okay, whatever. Like even like what you said, I'm like, yeah, well, sorry for being awake. Sorry that you're over there snoozing. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but also I think it's really important to stand up for yourself in those moments, you know, Mm -hmm. especially with people that are people that are a big part of your life. You know, um, if you're in a relationship with somebody that says that to you, if, if, you know, it's your father or your mother or whatever to say, tell them how that makes you feel when they say that. Because a lot of times, and I'm certainly not excusing their behavior, but a lot of times the reason that people say that to us is because our feelings make them uncomfortable. They're being triggered by it. They don't like that we're pointing out things that they'd rather sweep under the rug. Um, you know, it's like, it's, that's their shit. Like that's them like throwing their shit ball at us <laughs> for us just like being who we are, you know? And, but also sometimes they don't notice that they're doing that. Like it's an odd, like they're being triggered, they're being reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you can just say like, Hey, you know, like when you say that to me, it really makes me feel like you're saying, you know, that I'm not okay as I am. And they might be like, there you go being too sensitive again. And then you have to yeah. ask yourself like, what am I getting at this relationship? You know, sometimes we just yeah. have to evaluate but it's also really helpful to educate the people in your family and in your life about what it actually means to be highly sensitive you know like send them an article yeah like send them Um, the science behind this and amber can you send me like some links that you think that people would be interested in so we'll put them in the show notes yes absolutely because it's really helpful and especially like some people that are not so spiritual or not so awake like they need to see like a scientific journal so like i will send you that (laughs) because it exists, right. um, you know, and then they're like, oh, it's like talking to them in a language that they understand, which is giving them a tool to understand you better and to treat you better, really, yeah. you know, but if you do those things, if you send them the research, explain to them why you are the way that you are and how it makes you feel when they say those things and they continue to do that, that's when you have to start making a decision about like, you know, and I know this is much easier said than done because for example, if it's like your father, you know, um, doesn't mean you have to cut somebody out of your life, but maybe the interactions that you have with them, you're handling that differently or setting stronger boundaries or, you know, but I always say like, chat, like call people out on that. Like, don't let them just say that to you. You know, this is where the badass part comes in. Be like, ew, no, I'm not going to take that. Like, don't tell me I'm too sensitive. Like, this is a really cool gift that I have. And if you don't understand it, like, that's your problem, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah, yeah, because that's, it's very damaging to hear that over and over and over again. Um, And it makes us feel bad about ourselves. And there's no reason why we should, just because other people don't understand the way that we experience the world. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And I wear my sensitive badass shirt and everybody tells me they love it. Yes. (laughs) Because it is, that's the thing. It's like, you know, and and that's why I, I, I chose sensitive badass as, you know, like my tagline, because we are really, really strong people. We just get feedback that we're not, but that's because other people don't understand how much shit we're carrying around with us all day long. And we continue to get up and go to our jobs and take care of our kids and do all of this stuff. But we have like this extra layer of stuff that we're dealing with you know, and like, you can like, 
soft and fierce, like, um, you know, strong and sensitive, like these things are not mutually exclusive. Like you can be super strong and super badass and also be really empathetic and sensitive and intuitive. Like, I don't know where in our society it came into play that those things are were opposites because they're absolutely not. In fact, they're very deeply intertwined. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, um, yeah, to me, just having that big realization of like, oh, like, maybe I'm not too sensitive. Maybe I'm just like noticing things for what they are. And that's, yeah. I get, you know, yeah. um, and it's not to denounce the word sensitive. It's to denounce the word too, like exactly. sensitive, <laughs> right? Exactly. So thank you so much, Amber, um, for taking the time and for educating us on the fact that this is a real thing that is a gene and that is um in our makeup as human beings and it's not just like this imagined um trait that we're carrying around is there anything that we haven't spoken about that you want to touch on um oh gosh um we covered a lot (laughs) it was good yeah yeah um you know i think i think just kind of like if you're walking away from this, like the most important things are like, you know, start doing some research. If you don't know a lot about your sensitivity, like start educating yourself, you know, like get yourself informed. So then you can start informing other people and just really be kind to yourself and know that like you're freaking awesome. And you have so much to give to this world, but like, you've got to learn to give it to yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And um, actually I have another question for you. Um, How do you feel about accepting help? as a, uh, as a highly sensitive person? <laughs> uh, <laughs> such a good question. Because like- That, by the way, everyone, that is Amber's like, shut up, Emily voice. Or like, <laughs> sorry. It's not, it's, she's not saying like, shut up to me. She's just like, okay, like, I get it. Like, you're confronting me with something here. <laughs> and it's a different laugh than the usual laugh. But anyway, go ahead. I have, you guys, I, I'm one of those people where I have literally no control over my facial expression or the way that my voice sounds. Like, half the time, like, I don't even know, like, what tone I'm using or, like, what my face is doing until I, like, watch a video or listen to something back. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, like, the most transparent person in the world. Not that that's a bad thing. But, um... No, I, li- I like that about you. But I just think it's so funny each time you laugh that laugh because, like... Like you're inside, you're just like, Emily, like, please stop calling me out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it can be hard for us to ask for or accept help because we're so used to being in the helper role. Um, I think, you know, I, I know that was, that was a big thing for me in the past. Um, but also it's, you know, sometimes we feel like we have to carry it all by ourselves. But honestly, like, we are a community for a reason, you know, like, we're supposed to help each other, like, healers need healers, coaches need coaches, like, therapists need therapists, like, we all, like, I honestly think every single person on this planet could benefit from, like, therapy or coaching, but um, I, yeah, it's, it's important to realize that, like, it's not our job to carry everything by ourselves, and, like, having outside, having outside help is just so awesome in general, because, like, Emily was saying to me the other day when we were in session about, like, seeing the blind spots that I can't see. And, you know, that's, that's a really real thing. Like it's hard sometimes for us to like see things when we're so in it. And so having somebody outside of you that's more objective that can point that stuff out for you is like profoundly helpful. Um, Cause once again, that's giving you information and then you can be like, Oh, now that I know that this thing is here, what can I do about it? Um, 
I just, I mean, and obviously like I, my profession is helping people, you know, so of course I think it's important. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's really, really imperative that we allow ourselves to remember that we're not perfect and that we can't figure out everything on our own. And that's completely 100% okay. Yeah. And like I always say about the blinders thing is like, it doesn't matter like how nice the car is. Like if it's like a Jaguar compared to, I don't know, like a Chevrolet, like it doesn't matter. Like both of them have blind spots. Yeah. So like humans, no matter how, you know, educated we are, evolved we are, um, aware we are, we'll all have blind spots. And when you're used to being the helper, you also deserve someone to guide you and hold you and be there for you. Um, both in like your personal relationships and also like in your, in professional relationships. So yeah, you find like it's vulnerable to accept help as a highly sensitive person. I think in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think in the beginning it feels uncomfortable because it's, it's, we're not used to it. We're used to being on the opposite end of that. So I think it can feel, because again, it's, it's forcing you to like put the attention on you, <laughs> um, which when you're not used to doing that can, can feel really uncomfortable. And also, you know, I think another thing that I struggled with in the past and that, you know, just occurred to me that would probably make it even more uncomfortable is like when we're used to being shamed for our feelings and told that our feelings are invalid it's kind of hard to sit down and just pour your heart out to someone oh yeah so true yeah you know but it's important because it gives us that space to work on that and to be able to do that in a safe container where you're not going to be judged or shamed for your feelings you know yeah so um yeah I mean and also if you think about it like every single person has so many different gifts like we can learn so much from other people with areas that they're more attuned to or things that they're more good at you know that they can like gift to us um that's the point of community right it's like we're all putting something in we all have our different stuff to share and so I don't know like I, I get uncomfortable sometimes, like when I um, am in the other seat, the one being helped. But at the end of the day, like, I love it. I mean, I've had coaches and therapists for years and years and years. <laughs> like, it's, it's so helpful. It's so, it's so healing. I just, I think it's, you know, personal growth work and like working through stuff and moving through it. Like, I don't know how else to live life. Like, that's just how I do things. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Beautiful. So, um, if people want to get into contact with you, where do they go? So you can find me at my website, which is amberrochelle.com and Rochelle is R O C H E L L E. Um, and then like all the social medias I'm at miss Amber Rochelle M S even though I just got married, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I got those handles a long time ago. Um, yeah. Or you can just email me Amber at amberrochelle.com. Like if you liked what we were talking about today, if you want to get in touch, if you have a question, like reach out, I, I love to hear from people. So yeah. And you do such a good job at it. Honestly, you know that you're one of my favorite people on planet earth. Um, and it was nice to get to jam with you on your work and being a sensitive badass because I like it for me, like as a coach, um, it's always amazing when I get to work with people's businesses that have a message that are personally important to me because I don't know, it's like energizing to see that the work that is needed in the world is being done. So, you know, I like you personally, but I also like adore you (laughs) 
in terms of like what you're here to do on this earth. So um, thank you for sharing that with us. And if you liked the episode, if you listened, you want more of it, make sure that you subscribe because that is the number one way to make sure that you never miss a weekly episode. So thank you again, Amber, for being here. I feel like I just keep thanking you. So I'm going to cut it (laughs) and we'll catch you later. Thank you so much for tuning in.